Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Hannah Grufferman, Bone Health Ambassador and Trustee of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Welcome to another episode of Bone Talk. October is Menopause Awareness Month, and to help raise awareness of this normal and natural experience that literally all women go through, we are focusing on why all roads lead to menopause. And those roads are pretty crowded, too. In 1998, there were over 477 million post-menopausal women worldwide. By 2025, that number will be 1.1 billion. Sure, women expect to experience the most common symptoms of menopause like hot flashes, sleepless nights, mood swings, because when you say the word menopause, those are the first things that come to mind. But menopause is so much more than a hot flash. It changes everything, often in surprising ways. And today, we're going to take a deep dive with an incredible women's health expert to focus on how menopause affects women head to toe, inside and out, in ways that many women don't even think about. My guest today is Dr. Mary Jane Minkin. Dr. Minkin is clinical professor in the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences at the Yale University School of Medicine and has been in private practice in New Haven, Connecticut for more than 35 years. She earned her medical degree from Yale Medical School and her undergraduate degree from Brown University. Dr. Minkin is a leader in women's health education, both inside and outside the medical community. She is a lead author or co-author of articles in numerous peer-reviewed medical journals and has written an astounding seven books. She is nationally known in the field of gynecology and is often interviewed and quoted in the media, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, BuzzFeed, and many popular women's magazines. And just recently, she spoke at one of the No Pause and Menopause Roundtables. It was hosted by HealthyWomen.org. We are so fortunate to have her with us today. Dr. Minkin, welcome to Bone Talk. Oh, thank you so much, Barbara, for asking me to be with you. And you are way too kind in all those lovely words, but thank you very much. And a pleasure being with you as always. Thank you. We always have fun when we chat, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So so let's get right to this because there are some things I think will surprise a lot of people. There are definitely some things that took me completely by surprise when I went through menopause a few years back including how my bones had gotten weaker. I found that out because I fell and broke a bone and then, well, the rest is history. And a lot of things got drier, head to toe, inside and out. What do you think surprise and maybe even shock your patients the most when they experience menopause? How many hours do we have, Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Why? 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 Why?
Sure, and there's lots. Don't really understand menopause, no, but God, they don't. Us. They really don't, Barbara. And you know, you know this. You've, you've worked with women for many, many years discussing these things. Among the most surprising things I think that women can experience, for example, issues like achiness. We know about hot flashes. We know about the sleep issue and stuff like that. But one thing that can happen to women, and this is not actually related to the bone loss situation. It seems to be something different. It's sort of a musculoskeletal type achiness, muscle discomfort, joint achiness, unrelated to the bone loss. And what's also and what's also really interesting, by the way, about a lot of menopausal symptomatology, that it varies from population to population. For example, even in the United States, if we just look at our population, for example, African-American women seem to have the highest burden of hot flashes. Caucasian women sort of in the middle and women of Asian descent seem to have less of an issue. We don't know why. We have really no idea. And as a matter of fact, one of the things I tell my medical students trying to trick them all into going into OBGYN, particularly menopause, I say, don't your mothers want you to get a Nobel Prize? Well, if you figure out the cause of hot flashes, I guarantee you a free plane <laughs> trick at the Stockholm. You know, you got it. So because we really don't even know what causes hot flashes in the first place. But it's really interesting to see different populations of women suffering worse with different symptoms. And the achiness, for example, if you go to the Philippines, that's the number one complaint of women in the Philippines. Not hot flashes, not sleep disorders, achiness. Go figure. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's really, to me, it's really fascinating. Another thing, for example, a lot of women know about vaginal dryness. They've heard about that. Although, to be honest, some people don't even recognize that as a menopausal symptom because the hot flashes tend to come early even in the perimenopausal transition, whereas the vaginal dryness tends to be much later. So some women, when they start experiencing vaginal dryness three, four, five years after the hot flashes came, they'll say, oh, I've got this dryness, but I don't think it's menopause because I'm done with that. Well, no, you're not done with that. And the vaginal dryness is a part of it. But what many women don't realize is that when we're talking about vaginal dryness, we are also talking about bladder dryness and bladder symptoms. So many women will get their first urinary tract infections, for example, Mm -hmm. when they're going through menopause. Mm-hmm. People like, what, where did this come from? Or incontinence, bladder leakage, bladder urgency. That can be a problem. So those are things mm-hmm. that you can experience and don't realize this is, oops, this is menopause. And unfortunately, some of the healthcare providers don't realize that too, but that's a whole other story. So that's a whole other story for a whole, a whole other thing. You mentioned, exactly. you mentioned vagina. Okay. What that was going to be something, of course, we have to talk about because that is one of the areas of our bodies that goes through massive changes. So let's focus on that a little bit. What are some of the changes that happen? Some that are maybe not so surprising, although some that might be, like you just mentioned, bladder changes. I mean, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. would not have known Mm -hmm. that had I not been doing my own research. I think most women don't know that. So tell us about how the vagina will be changing before, during, and after menopause. Sure. Well, the vagina tends to get dry. I mean, many of our other skin parts of our body get dry too, but the vagina gets particularly dry. And so you can get irritation. You can get discomfort with sex, you know, so-called dyspareunia is the fancy word, but pain with intercourse, sometimes even bleeding with intercourse because the tissue can get so dry. And women don't realize that oftentimes. The other thing that can happen is you can end up with vaginal infections. Okay. And what's happening there actually is a physiology change that when the vaginal tissue gets dry, that actually we change our vaginal flora. We like to have good guy bacteria, so-called lactobacilli in the vagina, but when the vagina gets dry, the lactobacilli can disappear. And they are there acting as protectors against nastier organisms, the E. coli and the Klebsiella and all the bad guys. So when you run out of good guys, which may, and this is also sounding strange to many women, that the vaginal pH 
leach. Vagina actually is acidic in a healthy state. And when the lactobacilli go away, because it's sort of not exciting to live in the vagina anymore because there's not a lot of estrogen there. And so what can happen is when the vagina is getting drier, the pH is actually going up. So acid in the vagina is good. People say, oh, acid, well, in your stomach, it may be bad, but in your vagina, it's good. So there are all these changes that can be going on secondary to that loss of estrogen. You mentioned, the, I think, the magic word, and that's estrogen. And that really is what this is all about, right, Dr. Minkin? I mean, estrogen levels right. drop yes. while we're going through menopause. And that mm-hmm. really is the cause of so many of these changes throughout our bodies, right? Yes, it is. Although the hot flashes, interestingly enough, aren't a direct function of the loss of estrogen that we know about. Because there are, for example, some women who, you know, they go through menopause. If you measure their estrogen level in their bloodstream, it's close to zero, but they have no hot flashes whatsoever. 20% of women get no hot flashes, but their estrogen is going down. I don't know why that happens. There's another Nobel Prize for you. So the answer yeah, is... Yeah, no, I actually yeah. never knew that. That's yeah. new information. Yeah. I never really knew that. That's so amazing. Yep. You know, I was one of the lucky women in that I really didn't experience severe symptoms. I wasn't in that 20%. Mm-hmm. I did have hot flashes, but they weren't severe enough for me to even consider discussing hormone therapy with my doctor mm-hmm. because my, mm-hmm. my, you know, my quality of life wasn't being compromised and the like. And that's very often the kind of the gold standard, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, if your mm-hmm. quality of life is being compromised, you really should have this conversation. But there really are quite a few off-label benefits. I know we weren't really going to focus too much on hormone therapy today, but I just really feel that this is something that women should, who are listening should be made aware of, that there are definite benefits to hormone therapy, but that isn't for everyone, correct? Yeah, as I said, and of course, since we are working with the National Osteoporosis Foundation, we do have to understand, of course, that even when a woman has zero symptoms, and I tell when I give my medical students the lecture and I list all the symptoms that can happen, and by the end of this, they're like, oh my God, this sounds horrible. And I say, but you know, some people have zero symptoms whatsoever. However, that doesn't mean that I don't talk to them about menopause because even if you have zero symptoms, you have to talk about bone health because estrogen, when your estrogen levels go down, that puts you at a risk for worsening problems with bone loss. So you have to pay attention to your bones, whether you have symptoms or have no symptoms whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And also, there are other... for the NOS. <laughs> the plus, definitely, because, you know, this is the official podcast of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Right. So we, we have to focus on bone loss. And for me, as I mentioned earlier, I discovered my own bone loss when I fell shortly after going through menopause, fell and mm-hmm. broke my arm. And then yeah. had my first bone density test, my baseline, if you will. And ever since then, I've been, you know, really fighting hard to keep my bones from getting mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. thinner and weaker, which, of course, then could lead to full-blown osteoporosis process. I have been so far quite fortunate and that I've been able to do that, eating the right things, strength training and the like. But this is something that happens to all women, correct? And your your bones will get weaker and thinner because of that drop in estrogen. Am I right? Yeah. And that's something that everybody's at risk of. And that's why we want to pay close attention to bone health, no matter what, no matter what symptomatology is out there. Exactly. No matter what. And then some of the other changes that take place that I think are surprising to so many women when I talk about it with them or write about it and I get the, you know, the comments back is our brain health and our heart health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like all of these deep kind of what we could even call chronic changes that are Mm -hmm. taking place in our bodies that we don't normally associate with 
menopause. And you know what's so interesting to me, Dr. Minkin, is that I've like done a mind shift in the last year or two since I've really been focusing on menopause specifically, where a lot of these health issues that women, that happen to women, if you will, as we get mm-hmm. older, sure, we could say, well, yeah, it's because of aging, but you know, it's because of menopause. One could say (laughs) menopause, well, yeah, you go through menopause because you are getting older. Okay, but not everyone goes through menopause, of course, when they're older. Some are, you know, surgically uh, induced into menopause. But for the most part, yes, we're older. But do you know what I'm saying? It's more geared because of menopause than aging. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy at all. And one thing you do bring up there, Barbara, which is a really important point, okay, is that although the average age of menopause is 51.3 years in the United States, da-da-da, but anyway, however, about 1% of women are menopausal by age 40 and 5% are menopausal by age 45. So we don't want to forget those women. And of course, the thing that we really haven't talked about here at length is the concept of perimenopause, the time leading up to that final menstrual period, because you can't say to somebody she's fully menopausal until she's gone that magic year without a period. So even if you go six months without a period, boom, you get a period. That resets the clock. So you have to go another year beyond that to say, yes, you're fully menopausal. However, you may be perimenopausal for a number of years until that magic final menstrual period, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have symptoms. And indeed, for example, the hot flashes tend to be more annoying to many women in the perimenopause. Once they get to full menopause, the hot flashes tend to get better for a lot of women. So this is things mm-hmm. to be aware of. And so what I find very important, and this is what I try to get across to my medical students and my residents, is if somebody comes up with, you know, interesting things that they're talking about, like they're not sleeping well, or they're feeling their concentration is off, or their vaginas might be a little dry, or their bladders feel a little funky, and they happen to be 42 years old, and they may have only skipped one period. Well, you know, there may be a lot of other things going on, but I ask my young trainees to please keep in mind the potential in what we call the differential diagnosis could be perimenopause. And what I always say, which is, which I've given a number of talks, as you know, to lay audiences, lots of women in the audience. And after every single talk I have ever given to a group of women, at the end, I always have one or two very young women coming up to me. They're almost always in tears. And they will say to me, oh, I wish I knew this, you know, five years ago or whatever, because I was experiencing all these symptoms and people sent me from one specialist to another. And I'm not saying anything bad about psychiatrists, but they would send them to two or three different psychiatrists because they thought they must be crazy dealing with all these things. It turned out they were really perimenopausal and nobody thought about that as far as, you know, taking care of them. And your heart goes out to these young women who are really, really in a tough shape. And nobody said, you know, gee, I wonder if these ladies might be perimenopausal experiencing all of these unusual symptomatologies. It's really incredible. I mean, just to, kind of generally speaking, I mean, women's health really gets uh, short trips, I think, you know, compared to when we're looking at, at men's health and research done on men's health and health issues and disease and illness. So um, this is just one really good example. I mean, oh, sure, send her to a psychiatrist, right? <laughs> I mean, that mm-hmm. seems to be... Well, yeah, I don't want to dump on psychiatrists. They're lovely people. But, you know, the of lady, you know, I mean, she may have had some issues, but she probably needed estrogen more than anything else. And, you know, that's, you know, most psychiatrists don't prescribe that, you know? <laughs> 
But and can we just for a minute then look at the other side? So we just talked about perimenopause, and let's look at mm-hmm. the other side. That's postmenopausal women. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned that I before we started our podcast that I put out a newsletter every week, menopause teaching. And there was someone to go, oh, well, I don't need that because I've been there, done that, I've already gone through menopause. So no, mm-hmm. but there, the body continues to change. Sure. Am I right? Absolutely. Even like as you're leaving menopause and you think, oh, I'm already done because the hot flashes, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, have gotten a little bit better, more manageable. Mm-hmm. And you start to think, okay, that's it. So I'm done. I don't have to really think about this anymore as if anybody really thought about it to begin with. I know I did not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Well, I was going. Of course, I think about it all the time. Of course, but (laughs) yes, you do. And now I'm a little prejudiced. (laughs) I sure do now too. So this is really so important to me that you know, women who are listening who happen to be like me, postmenopausal. I'm 63. Mm -hmm. I'm very postmenopausal, and yet, you know, I have to keep tabs on all of these body parts. I have to really make sure, oh, am I doing everything right for my bones? Am I doing everything right for my heart, for my brain and so on? And am I dealing with my dry vagina and Mm -hmm. and bladder issue? Am Mm -hmm. I looking at all this and even looking at things like, you know, dry skin, dry eyes, dry hair, all of that so connected to menopause. So I just want to make sure women understand that just because you're through with menopause in the kind of more common symptom sort of way and you're Mm-hmm. truly a postmenopausal doesn't mean that you're ever really out of menopause. That's kind of how I view it. Yeah. Yeah. You're I mean basically postmenopausal goes on forever. So that's you know goes on forever. To that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. So and some other kind of surprising what I call under the radar effects of menopause that some women have asked me about, like, is there an increased migraines, like weight gain, specifically belly fat, things like that. Anything else that we don't, wouldn't normally connect to menopause? Other surprising? Sure. Well, well, let's talk about those because those all have a, do have connections to menopause and many people wouldn't necessarily think about it. What's interesting regarding migraines is they actually tend to get better in full menopause for most women. Perimenopause is the time that drives many women crazy because of the fluctuations in levels. Your hormones are up, your hormones are down, whatever. So that basically the perimenopause tends to be more problematic. And I, can I say this word? I love to say this word, migraineurs. You didn't use the nice French word because people who suffer from migraines, it just sounds classy. So anyway, but migraineurs <laughs> tend to do worse in the, well, that's why I like to say hot flushes. It sounds like I'm a classy. British person. It's just the girl from New Jersey. Yes, you know? yes. But anyway, yes. <laughs> what can I say? So anyway, but that the migraineurs tend to do worse in perimenopause. They Once they get to full menopause, most of them do better, although there are some people who will get some headaches in full menopause, and we, we deal with those oftentimes hormonally. The other issues that happen as far as oh, well, the migraines, the weight gain issue is a bothersome thing for many women, and that basically is a very interesting woman named Wendy Court, K-O-H-R-T, and for those folks who are listening to us who like to go on to PubMed, you can look at some of her publications. It's very interesting that she actually takes ovaries out of rats and puts them on little rat treadmills. I guess they use hamster wheels for whatever. So she exercises the heck out of them. But anyway, and she's shown very nicely that (laughs) taking out estrogen away from people and animals basically does lead to some increased weight and also a redistribution issue. And it's sort of a centripetal going towards the middle distribution. So, and that happens. And where I really think that's important, I mean, I have some very 
very lovely people who exercise. They spend half their lives at the gym and they eat exactly properly and they put on five pounds with menopause and they're like besides themselves. And I said, you know, it's not your fault. This happens. You know, it does happen. Mm -hmm. Don't yell at yourself. You know, can you lose that extra weight? Yeah, but you got to exercise even more and eat less. So the key thing is don't really torture yourself. However, the flip side of that is that if somebody gains 40 pounds, I hate to tell her it's probably not menopause. And my downfall is cookies and French fries. Those are my two favorites. Oh, that's so funny. Mine too. (laughs) Great minds think alike. Yes. I love French fries. So anyway, so the key thing is, you know, if you gain 40 pounds, it's probably French fries and cookies or your favorite, you know, fill in the blanks. But the thing is that five pounds, yeah, 40 pounds, probably not likely menopause. And the redistribution to the middle drives folks nuts. And, you know, is there a magic therapy to it? Lots of exercise, but there's no magic. The one thing I can tell people, because some people will say, well, how about if I take estrogen? Will that help? And people used to think estrogen was worse, that, you know, if you took estrogen, you'd gain more weight. And the answer is no. You probably gain a tad less, but the average weight gain going through the perimenopausal transition is about five to eight pounds. If you take estrogen therapy, it's probably like four to seven pounds. So I won't tell somebody to take estrogen just to lose weight. Right. That's not a good off-label use, in other words. Exactly. Exactly. One pound, Uh maybe, you know, whatever, but I don't think it's going to make a huge difference for you. Mm -hmm. But estrogen will not make you gain weight. That I can tell you. Now, there are some people who, when they take estrogen in any form and birth control pills or whatever will retain some fluid weight. It'll make it a little more fluid on board. But when you stop the medication, you'll pee it out. You'll get rid of the fluid. So it's not a permanent weight putter on or there for you. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a real problem for a lot of ladies. And the other good news to get back to the weight issue is that when people hear that five to eight pounds, they're like, oh my God, it's not five to eight pounds a year. It's once you get through the transition, that tends to level off. So it's five to eight pounds throughout the transition time, but then it tends to level off. So you're not going to gain weight from menopause in general beyond that. In general, that's true. And as we get older, metabolism changes and all that. I know right. when I went through menopause, right. I did, I think I gained, you know, right about there. I think it was somewhere yep. like seven, eight pounds, something mm-hmm, like it was mm-hmm, less than mm-hmm. 10, yep. more than five, yep. <laughs> you know. Yep. And yep. then, but that's when I made all the changes. At that point, I hadn't been doing anything. I hadn't been working mm-hmm. out at all. And that's when I started running and running quite right. seriously and, you know, training right. for marathons and the like yep. and strength training because of my bone yep. health and all that worked Excellent. for me. It was a slow loss, but then it was a complete loss. So I've been able to maintain that. And again, I know that if I stopped doing these things, that I would probably put on not 40 pounds because that's not my lifestyle, but I would probably put on like, you know, about eight, seven to eight pounds. Because mm-hmm. uh, just because, <laughs> yep, <laughs> because I like true. French fries. <laughs> You're good. The yeah, saltier okay. the better. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, listen, we have to have some like you know little joys of evil joys of life, right? Absolutely, so, no question. So tell me something. <laughs> what are from you know we covered a lot of ground here. So what would you like to say are the three best takeaways that you'd like women to remember from our chat today? Oh, that's a good one. I'd like to memorize the whole thing. No, I think the people that <laughs> I understand. To, everyone. <laughs> There's a quiz. There's a quiz. I think people need to understand this is a normal part of life. It happens to all of us. God willing, we live long enough. So that's important. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we want to share our experiences. Don't be afraid to talk about it or ask questions. I think mm-hmm. you really want to ask questions. I've got to live into three, so I've, I've used up like two wishes from the genie here. i got to go through one more. Anyway, also would encourage <laughs> women always to be 
with a healthcare provider, and it doesn't have to be a doc, it can be a midwife, it can be a nurse practitioner, PA, whoever you feel comfortable with that with you to help accompany you on this journey, because you want to be able to ask questions and say, you know, or, or, and again, the other thing out there is there's a lot of stuff available online, some of which is fabulous, for example, like being able to listen to your podcast, which is terrific. But unfortunately, there's a lot of unvalidated stuff out there as well. And so don't mm-hmm. believe everything you read, but that you want to be with a healthcare provider who can guide you, you know, when you come in saying, I read this, what do you think? That a healthcare provider can listen to you, can listen to your concerns and give you good advice to say, well, I probably wouldn't pay much attention to that source, but here's another source that's probably a little more validated to get you some information to help you guide you through. I think that's one thing I always believe that if you have a good provider with you, you're going to really be ahead of the game. Couldn't agree more with that. And having that partnership as I had when I went through menopause was so important. And, and creating your own personal plan then yeah. for, you know, forging ahead. And also, I would like to add to those really great takeaways and just say, women, I think we all need to not be embarrassed by any of this. We need to understand that happens to literally everyone, varying degrees exactly. of symptoms, obviously. And the more we're open about it and the more we talk about it, not only with each other, with our healthcare providers, with our partners, our sexual partners, our children, our bosses, our coworkers, mm-hmm. everybody, the more comfortable everybody else will be about about menopause. So no question about it. I would add that. No question about it. And I think it's time has come. So thank you so much, Dr. Minkin, oh, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us. It is always so much fun to talk with you. And I always learn something new, always. So thank you so much, Barbara. Yeah, this is always so much fun. I mean, really, you're just such a gem of a resource to all of us. We really can't thank you enough. It's always fun to do with you, always. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to have links to NOF resources at bonetalk.org. And you can also learn a lot more about Dr. Minkin. And we love the name of her website, madamovery.com. That's right, M-A-D-A-M-E-O-V-A-R-Y.com. Go there. She has podcasts. She has resources. She's incredible. Madam Bovary, excuse me, <laughs> I'm sure that looks like a slip <laughs> off the tongue. MadamOvary.com. Okay. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed, I know you enjoyed this episode of Bone Talk as much as I enjoyed talking with our wonderful guest, Dr. Mary Jane Minkin. We always hear amazing things from our guests, but we want to hear from you too. So please go to BoneTalk.org. And then go to share your story to tell us what's happening in your world, because the more we're connected, the stronger we will be. You can also visit healthywomen.org for the No Pause and Menopause Roundtable, a series of talks that Dr. Meekin was actually on as well, so you can hear hers, hosted online each Wednesday through October and the first two or three weeks, I believe, of November. But go and check that out. And for more information on how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please go to nof.org regularly for up-to-the-minute information. And lastly, please, everyone, do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share it with all your friends and family so they can benefit from this information as well. Until next time, remember this. We can't control getting older, but we can control how we do it. Thank you and bye for now. 
Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.